What is up, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift, Broken Arrow, and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed in the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. It's got 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use this at Broken Arrow. Uh, we've got the butt shot and the wide shot. It is crucial in games to be able to see that. I can tell, uh, did a team get into four and four eyes? Are they just really loose threes? Uh, is, it a, is it a tight shade or is he head up? Um, it works great for us. I can tell where they're slanting, when they're blitzing. Uh, you know, so many times you've had a kid come off the field and say they're getting – uh, a guy blitzing in every gap, right? But here you can go back, you can look at it. We've got our OC up in the press box looking at the wide, me on the sideline looking at the tight, and, and we can actually hook these up to TVs on the sideline, show the kids. It works great. It's worked every time. Uh, I love being able to use it. Sky Coach, to be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. Again, if you want a great sideline replay, go to myskycoach.com to learn more. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the store tab at runthepower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site football players, and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jake Timmerman. Jake is the offensive line coach for three-time state champion Northside High School in Warner Robins, Georgia. Listen as we talk with Coach Timmerman about developing as a young offensive line coach, different methods and strategies for blocking dominant and athletic defense alignment in Georgia, and his favorite drills and practice periods to develop all of his offensive linemen. You can follow Coach Timmerman on Twitter at Coach underscore Timmerman. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, Coach, uh, we'll go ahead and get this going. Um, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? We, we met you kind of through Twitter, um, which we've, we've had a few guests on now that um, we met them through Hog Football Chat, and we've had uh, Coach Schiffman on talk Hog Football Chat and Coach Fisher to talk 
Texas high school football chat. But, um, you know, that kind of started us off on everything, but has, has allowed us to meet some really awesome coaches, some guys with some good ideas and guys that love football. And, and that's kind of how we met you and started talking with you. And now we're obviously really excited to have you on. But uh, why don't you just kind of, you know, tell us how, how you got to where you are and, and, and uh, you know, what you're doing now, where you're coaching uh, currently. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are doing a, uh, a lot of good stuff here. I've listened to, you know, several of your episodes and stuff. And, uh, I mean, first of all, like I said, my name is Jake Timmerman. Um, right now I'm uh, offensive line coach at Northside High School in Warner Robins, Georgia. Um, we are one of the most uh, storied programs in the state of Georgia. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be there. Um, we the, the program's won three state championships. Uh, in its history. Uh, we actually won our most recent one in 2014, which is my first year there. Um, I graduated uh, college from a small college here in uh, in Southwest Georgia called Georgia Southwestern State University in 2014. And um, I was fortunate enough to um, basically uh, went to a job fair uh, for Houston County, which is uh, the school district here. And Got my resume in, and a few months later, I there was just happened to be an opening for history, which is what I teach. I teach tenth grade world history, and um, so it just worked out. I I started teaching world history there in 2014, and my first two years, I coached the ninth grade offensive line, um, which was really cool. That was a nice way to sort of start developing my, I guess, coaching uh, style, start to learn the offense, um, and kind of just see you know, how things are done at a program like Northside where, uh, you know, they have such a rich tradition and very, very uh, good coaches who, you know, have taught me a lot so far. Um, but then in 2016, the 2016 season, uh, I was moved up to the varsity level. Um, and that was good to, to get that experience and to uh, coach side by side. We have two offensive line coaches and I coach offensive line with um, Kelvin McDavis. Uh, last year who um, he played at Valdosta State when they had a hatcher there, won a national championship. Um, and then this past year, I coached offensive line with Tory Howard, who actually played at Valdosta State with Coach McDavis uh, while he was there. And they were both Northside guys. So it's been a great experience there to be around a bunch of guys who've won a lot of football games and know a lot of football. Coach, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get you on because, quite honestly, you you and Coach Harper are, are pretty kind of parallel in, in, you know, their profession or whatever. I know you guys were both young offensive line coaches, so I think a, a lot of our listeners kind of want to get, you know, that, that background information from you. You know, w was it kind of intimidating coming into a situation like that or was it kind of nice to be able to, to maybe ease your way in and learn some of that stuff? Um, you know, what – what was it like kind of being a, a young offensive line coach fresh out of college and kind of getting thrust into a, a big time program like Northside? Um, I don't want to say it was intimidating. It was certainly different, um, especially for me because I, uh, I went to private school for my entire life um, and small private schools. We, um, you know, that's my, you know, that's what my parents want to do. So I went to small private school for my entire life. And so, you know, my graduating class, from the small town I'm from, we graduated with like 38 people um, wow. and had, you know, 35 people on the football team. Uh, and so coming into a program like Northside, you know, that was my first experience at all with, with public school, really, other than, you know, like my couple of semesters student teaching in college. But 
Um, so going from, you know, a school where, you know, the graduating class was 38 people to a school where the graduating class is like, you know, 450 people or something like that. I don't want to say it was intimidating, but it was certainly a great experience to learn from. Um, and my first year I was there, um, like I said, I was doing the ninth grade. So, you know, I guess there, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure uh, as far as, you know, like, you know, the Friday night lights and stuff, but uh, you know, it was, it was a good way to sort of, I guess, you know, get my feet wet into the whole thing. And um, my first year there, we had a great, uh, like I said, we usually do two offensive line coaches for the varsity. And my first year there was actually um, coach Mark Stewart. It was his last year there. And he's uh, been a long time offensive line coach here in the state of Georgia. And um, so I got to learn from him and got to learn from coach McDavis, who I mentioned previously. And so, you know, I would go to them and kind of see what they were doing. And my main thing, you know, on the ninth grade level was just let me make sure I'm teaching these guys exactly, you know, what they're going to need on the ninth grade level and or on the varsity level later on. And um, so it was good to, to sit in on meetings. And, um, you know, I, I'm just I, I don't profess to know it all, but I am I do like to talk football. So there were a few times kind of early on in our meetings on Sunday where I had to, like, tell myself to shut up and just listen because, you know, I wasn't trying to act like I knew anything. I just like talking ball. But. Um, no, I definitely learned early on just, you know, just to be quiet, listen, sit back. These guys have been doing it for a long time. They've been very successful. So just, you know, observe and kind of soak up everything you can um, from a lot of successful coaches. That's a great point. And, and I'm glad it's nice to have another, another young guy on, on the podcast because uh, we've, we've uh, been interviewing a bunch of old heads like, like Walls. But uh, nice to have <laughs> nice to That's have right. you know, just turned uh, – you know, almost 40 now. So nice to have another young guy on. And, and it's funny because uh, you talk about that. That's exactly the way I was in some meetings, uh, was talking a lot or, or whatever. And I started getting looks from the guys. I started thinking, I, I should probably shut up now because pretty sure everyone's <laughs> tired and, and don't really care what I have to say. But uh, funny you say that. But, uh, you know, I was kind of curious when, when you're working with the ninth grade uh, team, were, were you the one to go seek out help from the older coaches that are the varsity coaches or uh, did they have some kind of a program set up to come make sure that the ninth grade was working on the same level as the high school? Um, well, like when I, my first day, my, like my first official day on the job was actually the first day that the ninth graders reported during that summer of 2014. And so, um, so especially early on, you know, I was really, uh, you know, kind of go into those older guys to get exactly, hey, what kind of drills do you want me to do? You know, what exactly, what kind of exact verbiage do you want me to use? How do you want me to refer to the, you know, certain types of blocks? How do you want to refer to me as, you know, uh, any points and stuff like that? Because I really, I didn't have time. I didn't really have an off season to prepare. Like I said, my first day on the job was the kid's first day on the job. Sure. Um, so those, those guys early on were a big influence. And uh, like, so I'm, I'm 28 years old right now. So when I took that job in 2014, I, I had, um, I was still 23 years old. I hadn't even turned 24 yet. So I was 23 years old um, coming into a program like that. So certainly leaning on those guys early on was great. Um, but I, I, I guess I must have done something right because, um, you know, I, I was never, you know, I never, I never had to have anybody come down from the varsity practice to the ninth grade practice because our ninth grade team practices pretty much the same time as the varsity team. We don't, the ninth grade didn't practice quite as long, um, but I never, I never had to have anybody come down and look over my shoulder. And, and that was a nice boost of confidence that, that those guys 
um, that our head coach and our other offensive line guys on the varsity squad were confident enough in me to just to kind of let me do my thing down there. And that first season, we, we did pretty good. Um, we, I think we ended up like our average score. We, we won by like an average score of like 40 to six was our average, our average game. Jeez, yeah. That's, um, so we had a really successful nice. year. And in the second year, I think we only lost one game. Yeah. So in the two years I was on the ninth, I was on the ninth grade staff. We only lost one game um, out of like ele- uh, maybe like 10, 10 or 11 games. So it was pretty, it was a pretty successful time. Very good learning opportunity. Sure. And that makes it a lot more fun uh, when you're winning a lot. Uh, my kind of my other question is, so now, now you're, you're coaching on the varsity and, and I'm sure you and you're the other offensive line coach talk to the freshman coach. Uh, what are some of the things that, you know, that you would like for the freshmen to be working on? And then what are some of the things that, that aren't as big of a deal to you? Because like you said, with the varsity coaches, when you were coaching ninth grade, you know, you want them to give you a little leeway and get to be your own coach and have fun. But there are certain things that you would like for them to be doing. Yeah, I think the biggest things is that, you know, that's important from, from coming up is, is one, make sure we're on the same page of, of verbiage. Um, so, you know, like when I, you know, even something as simple as, you know, you know, calling the drills the same thing, calling, you know, certain types of steps the same thing, you know, so when they get up to us and we, you know, we can tell, you know, their first day of varsity practice coming from ninth grade, the first day we can tell them, you know, hey, uh, set up, you know, set up the board drill. We're going to work on, you know, uh, upfield steps or, or whatever, you know, it may be called. Using the same verbiage, I think, is a big help because it cuts down on a lot of, um, you know, having to re-explain things and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, just, just other stuff that, that, you know, the technique and stuff is that's, that's good. Um, but it's, you know, if, if they, obviously they probably haven't mastered it yet, but just using the same verbiage, I think is a big help both, you know, not just, you know, for plays, obviously, you, you know, you, you want your ninth grade team to be running a similar style of offense and using the same types of names for plays and things of that sort, you know, which we do. But I think, a especially for offensive linemen, you know, a bigger emphasis is the verbiage on, you know, the types of steps you take or aiming points for your hand or and things of that sort for, for specific blocks. Because um, we all know, you know, how important that stuff is for each type of block. I know, Coach, uh, it sounds like you, you guys had a pretty big Valdosta State influence. Are you guys air raid as well there at uh, Warner Robins? Uh, no, no, we, uh, we don't run the air raid. We, <laughs> we are, we are a pretty heavy ground and pound team. Um, my first good. year there. Uh, good. Um, okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, our, now our, our offensive line coaches, um, uh, coach McDavis and then coach Howard who came in last year, like they played about Austin state in the air raid, but a lot of the other guys are, are very big, uh, option guys, run guys. Um, and our, uh, our offensive coordinator for most of the years I was there, uh, he 2017 he was actually became the head coach at uh, another school here in uh, Georgia but um when my first year there uh I was kind of there it was kind of uh crazy because we you know we were a big time uh we had a very big offensive line on the varsity I mean two two big guys I tackles and then you know a couple of guys out of guards who could pull and get move around and then center who was very smart so we had a very good offensive line that year and uh, we had a very capable running back, um, a very versatile player who could play kind of in that H-back, fullback type job. And um, we ended up starting a sophomore quarterback that entire year who is now at Georgia Tech, uh, Tobias Oliver. And 
So we were, we were pretty kind of, we ran a lot of counter and power um, that first year I was there to kind of feature that, that tailback we had. Um, but then uh, after, after that year and uh, Tobias, our quarterback kind of became the star of the show. We became a lot more of uh, veer out of the shotgun and that was uh, very successful to us. So uh, we run, we run the ball a lot and we'll throw it when we need to, but um, our primary emphasis is to establish the run. Let's dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, and we're going to win it in the trenches. That can that can seem like it's a you know to me as an outsider a pretty big switch going from you know one year to the next. Normally, you know, coaches talk about you know let's do what's what our team does best, but going from a um, you know power counter team to a more like you said option team out of the gun seems like a big switch, and and maybe even for um, especially for the offensive line. Was it was it a big switch? Was it a big was there any carryover from from the years that you were running power to when you had the more athletic quarterback? How did you kind of bridge that difference going from again power counter to the the gun option? Well, uh, I mean, we we ran the option a lot in 2014, but it was more of a we may run power and counter. You know, let's just say we're just talking run game. We may be running power and counter. You know, 60. Uh, 70% and then op- and then the option, you know, maybe 30, 40%. And we can, to, to kind of help out with that, we, we block our option a little bit differently than the old school uh, style of way of doing it. So it kind of, it kind of went with our rules a little bit more for, for like our ISO play and power and counter and stuff. And so when we, when we started running it more in 2015 and 16, we didn't have to like go back and like, you know, reinstall it from scratch or anything because they had been running it. It's just sort of, we kind of, you know, when in 2014, we had a really good, you know, tailback who was a downhill guy. And, um, but in 2015 and 2016, you know, we, we, our offensive coordinator started to feel more comfortable, you know, letting our quarterback take over the show. So we just, we started to feature the option more, but we still ran power. We still ran counter and ISO and stuff, but, uh, we just kind of, I guess you could say, you know, flip the flip the percentages around. That influence a little bit about how you, some of your guys' stances. I know, you know, Coach Harper's big on, you know, a little bit heavier hand if you are a, a predominantly running team. I mean, that's kind of the same thing for you guys, you know, heavy hand. I mean, are you guys doing any of some of the, you know, the Georgia Tech stuff where you have inside hand down? I mean, what's, what's the stuff maybe you guys do differently with your stance now that you guys are maybe more of a – a run oriented team and an option team, or is it all pretty standard? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty standard. We, um, you know, we, we like to have, you know, if you're on the right side, you know, put your right hand down. If you're on the left side, put your yep. land, left hand down. Um, you know, but, and we, you know, we want to, we want to get some weight out on front of us, but, you know, we want, we don't want to be, uh, you know, over, overbearing on, on our hand, you know, so, you know, if somebody comes and slaps our hands down, we fall on our face, you know, we don't, we don't want quite that style because, you know, we are still going to do some things where we need to where we need to reach block or where we need to combo or where we need to pull or you know maybe even pass that here or there. So, you know, you know, we're not like you know maybe like you see some of the old like wishbone teams or flexbone teams, you know, down in a four point stance or anything. But you know, we want a good, comfortable, powerful stance with just enough weight down on our hands where we can really come off the ball and drive. But you know, we're not like you know bending over and getting a four point stance and, and just kind of you know leading with our shoulders or anything. Coach, um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, how your, your blocking rules are different than the old school option rules. Uh, I got to go to a clinic, I think last year, and, and got to listen to just a little bit of Georgia Tech talk, and they were talking, I think it was like a, a counting system. So um, 
Is that something you guys kind of went away from? Is that what you said? Uh, kind of away from that counting system, and now it, it kind of uh, marries up to your gap scheme stuff. Uh, kind of yes. I mean, we just we really just sort of based everything off of our like our our, our lead play, just our just the ISO play. You know, where the tackle base blocks. Uh, you know, every, where everybody base blocks. If there's somebody you know on your play side gap, or you combo block if you can. Um, and one of the one of the biggest changes we did um, is that we you know coming from the gun, you know we didn't scoop on the backside. Um, and and what I was told, you know, when I was a younger coach there, and you know when I first started learning, because I was asking all kinds of questions, you know, because I that was probably the first offense I fell in love with was you know the old school split back veer. That's what right. I remember, like you know back in ninth tenth grade I you know I would draw up plays you know the split back beer and flex bonus stuff and so you know I was familiar with kind of how they did that they just sort of scooped everything on the back side but we didn't really scoop on the back side because out of the gun it doesn't happen quite as fast as it does under center yep. um so at this level you know 6a football in Georgia you know we were going to come across some guys um that if you didn't block them on the back side edge they were going to be able to make that tackle because like i said the option from the gun doesn't happen quite as fast uh so we just kind of we just sort of base blocked everything and we left the end man on the line of scrimmage alone um tackles usually tried to you know work that dip the shoulder rip up through you know to fight the squeeze and try to cut off that place on linebacker uh if there was if there was no tight end uh, if, the t- if there's a attached tight end and we're running to the tight end, the tight end is the one who's going to kind of dip and rip if he can, or if he's got like a tight uh, six technique head up on him, you know, we gave him, you know, permission to sort of to, to outside release to cut that guy off because you try to inside release a six technique who's probably going to be squeezing anyway, you're yeah. not going to get there, and now you get a, a guy coming unblocked. Um, and so if that were the case, the tight end would release to the linebacker, the tackle and guard, they're going to combo to the next available person that comes over the top, same thing with the center and backside guard, and then the backside tackle is going to block man off. Um, and so we did things a little bit differently because we were in the gun um, and to also kind of marry it with our other blocking schemes so we didn't have to, you know, do a whole lot of different things with those plays. See, I never even thought about that, the backside timing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to scoop it. Um, Walls, I know, I know you went to a few colleges this offseason to look at some of that stuff. Was that, was that the same way they were doing it too? They couldn't scoop the backside out of gun? Yeah, they were pretty standard the same way. Of course, at, at uh, New Mexico when we went down there, they, they were all basing it. It wasn't true veer. It was more push zone. I mean, they, they pushed everything. So every single combo – was going over a man so the first combo was actually outside the box second combo would then be the first linebacker in the box so mm-hmm. it was it was more of a, a complete zone push type deal but same thing if you did have a backside dude from the gun and say maybe so maybe you had a, a weak surface on the backside it was the same thing they based it or they locked it because they were worried about that dude chasing it down and hitting it from behind yeah Coach, I was going to ask you some of the things to, did you guys do to kind of complement it? I mean, obviously you're running gap schemes, you're running veer. Are you, have you guys dabbled in some of the, uh, the RPO game as well? Uh, we do a little bit here and there. Uh, we're, you know, we're not a big RPO team. Um, we, we would do a little bit where we had some special packages. Uh, like I said, we had a pretty special guy at quarterback um, my first three years there uh, who's at Georgia Tech now. So, uh, we would do some, you know, different packages for games. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the best ones we had was we would uh, just kind of, kind of like a change of pace type thing is we would get in, you know, like an, an empty set and put three receivers to one side and two to the other. And 
in the box, we had, um, you know, one back power call, just where front side guys base, center backs, you know, and the play side guard pulls for the linebacker. And uh, the two receivers were running, uh, you know, hitches. Three receivers are running a screen, uh, the now screen or a bubble screen, whatever it may be. And the quarterback just sort of, you know, checks leverage and box numbers to see if he wants to throw it to one side or the other or, or run it. And, you know, if the number's in the box. And so uh, we did a little bit of that. We, you know, we've done some stuff. We tagged screens to, you know, some of our runs and stuff. But, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not too big on the RPO stuff. At least we haven't been while I've been there. You bring that up, um, that formation, that sounds, you know, pretty cool. But, um, you know, it's kind of every run game guy's uh, dream is to have a big-time quarterback that can run the ball was there some other cool formations maybe you guys got to get into uh, with having a, such a good running quarterback as far as maybe some two tight end empty or, or some of that stuff? Did you guys get to play around a little bit with some different empty formations with a guy that, that can run the ball that well back there? Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the other things that really worked out uh, well for us, we would get in a, an unbalanced trip set. Um, nice. And so we have a two-man surface with a, with a guard and a tight end the you know a nub tight end uh on one side and on the other we'd have a guard and our two tackles so you know we have an unbalanced we got a strong side we have a weak side and then the we'd have our trips line up on the same side as the the tackles uh so the tight end on the nub side he's eligible so it kind of forces the defense to at least pay attention to him back there and while on the front side now you have a three-man surface in the box you know, with, with the guard and the two tackles. And then on the same side, you've got trips to deal with. And so that, that, was, been, that was a very good formation for us. And one of the things we would do out of it is uh, we'd push the back out. Uh, some people call it tear or bounce or push motion. But we'd yep. push the back out and basically uh, to, the, to the trip side. And basically the quarterback was just reading that front side linebacker. And if the front side linebacker vacated the box, that should uh, give us good numbers to run the ball. And so, again, we just have, you know, a uh, uh, one-back power call where everybody on the front side is basing it up and the guard's pulling around for the first linebacker that shows. So the linebacker vacates the box and runs with the back who's going in motion. We run one-back power with the quarterback. If nobody runs with the back, the three receivers are, are stalk blocking or, or uh, you know, maybe the inside guy's cracking on uh, somebody or something like that. And then the quarterback, if nobody moves with the running back, quarterback just flips it out to the back on like a little swing screen with the receivers blocking. And we got a lot of mileage out of that. I guess, I guess that's technically an RPO as well. See, there you go, Harper. You got all, all these cool RPOs, man. Nice and simple. <laughs> I, I like the easy ones. That, that sounds like an awesome formation. That'd be really, that'd be really sweet to be able to run. Yeah, we, we got a lot of mileage on it because it prevents – it presents uh, a lot of problems to the defense, we feel like, you know, because uh, on the same side, you've got to pick, you know, do you want to defend that three-man surface in the run in the run box? Then you've also got trips out there to defend. And then on the back side, you technically still have an eligible receiver you have to consider. Yep. So you can still throw the nub tight end if they want to, you know, go corners over or something crazy like that. Right. I've really gotten into to looking at some of that stuff too. I mean, I've been watching a lot of the uh, the UCF film, and they they do a ton of that stuff where they spread you out. They're running, you know, the hitch screen, hitch screens or the hitches or the sticks inside. And if the outside linebackers want to turn their back and run and wall and cover those guys, he's just taking off and they're running some sort of gap scheme on the inside for the QB. It's 
it's tough to cover. It's tough to, to have to account for all those guys, especially if the dude can run. Yeah, it, it's tough. And, I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff I see people drop, you know, the post-snap RPOs, those are really good. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not too fond of the, you know, reading the safeties type thing on the on the post or anything. I don't know about all that. But um, yeah. I think the best ones you can have are just, you know, if you've got a running quarterback, that it makes it opens so much to you because now you can spread people out uh, even more than you would normally be able to if you keep a running back in the box. You know, you can go like you said, two tight end empty. You know, I that's a that's a really tough formation to defend. And so, you know, you go two tight end empty. You know, have your two receipt. You know, have two receivers on one side and one receiver on the other. You know, put you know have your single receiver. You know, he can run any type of free access route you can think of—a speed out, a slant, hitch, fade, whatever you want. Have your two receivers run some type of now screen, bubble screen, and but now inside the box, you still have uh, seven blockers to account for and a running quarterback. And so I think you know uh, that's a formation you know you mentioned. I think is is very tough to defend. That was always one of Coach Trimble's like all-time favorite formations. I mean, he, he he was always worried about that. He was like, Coach, if they go ace empty, if they go ace empty, I just hope they don't go ace empty. I'm like, Coach, they're not. Coach, they're not going to go ace empty. You'll be okay. And, and literally, I mean, there was a couple teams that did, but you know, luckily we had D linemen that were good enough cats. You know, they they beat somebody, but it, it was always something that worried him because he's like, well, who's going to carry this guy vertical? You know, and 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 we don't have enough guys in the box to, to handle it. So there, there's there's definitely some merit, I think, to, to being able to have some packages like that. And especially, you know, a lot of these teams that are that are tempo teams, you know, putting it on your tempo menu, having an unbalanced check, having an ace empty check or something like that, you know, it, it just forces those D coordinators to have something prepared and something ready to rock and roll when that does happen. Yep. And that's one of the things, you know, I can't remember who I, you know, I was listening to or somebody – you know, they talk about, you know, using tempo offense and stuff and having a lot of formations and, you know, but their focus was, you know, kind of looking at the, the defensive, you know, alignments and stuff and kind of looking on film throughout the games that they were, they were scouting and stuff and see which formations actually caused the defensive, the defensive players on the field to look, you know, to, to talk more, look like, you know, it looked like they were making more adjustments on the field. And uh, so they, they would, you know, they were going up tempo. And like I said, I can't remember who this was, but, they were going up tempo and, and they were specifically, you know, going to formations that from, from scouting the defense, they knew would cause the defense to have to talk and communicate more and, and make those special checks, you know, so like an empty check or a, or a trips check or an unbalanced check, things of that sort. That's uh, something we definitely look at. Uh, we looked at a lot this year with, um, you know, we weren't up tempo, but we used our, our shifts and our motions to look at that uh, when scouting a defense. So, uh, you know, for the same reasons, we had certain shifts, certain motions that, that we could put out there to, to, again, try to make defensive guys talk uh, while the ball's snapping. Exactly. Coach, you mentioned before, you know, in Georgia, obviously, you know, I got to say it's probably one of, you know, the top top three or four states as far as producing Division One talent. Um, I'm guessing you guys face some really, really talented defensive linemen, defensive ends. What, what are some things you try to do to maybe slow down those guys or game plan for some of those guys? You know, maybe you have some examples. I mean, do you prefer running at those guys? Do you prefer reading those guys? You know, what, what are some, some ways you do that? And obviously there's not just one. I'm sure you have many of them. But if you could share a couple, I think a lot of our listeners would be pretty interested in that. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, especially, you know, coming from the, you know, running the option stuff, like we've had a lot of success with the past few years. If you can block them, read them. Um, okay. And so, you know, we, we'll, we'll read the end. We'll run midline, you know, read a three technique. Um, you know, we do we do power read as well. So, you know, we have some different things we can throw at, you know, like if it's a stud defensive end, we, you know, we can present some different things to them, whether it be, uh, you know, veer, whether it be power read, you know, now we or you know, maybe we base block him, maybe after he's gotten, you know, we've run the veer at him a few times, now he's kind of slowing down or, you know, now he's squeezing, he's squeezing down. So, okay, so now we maybe we try and reach to get outside. Uh, so we have some different things to take advantage of that. Um, and we played a team uh, last year that had a, in 2016, had a, a very, very uh, successful nose guard, big time nose guard. And uh, he, you know, he, a lot of times he was going to play head up the center. Uh, and the center we've had the past two years, I love him to death. He's one of my favorite players. Um, but he was <laughs> five, five ten, if I'm being generous, and you know maybe 220 pounds. Um, and so he's lined up against the Division One, you know, nose guard. And so um, we made sure on every single play that we had that every single play that that nose guard was getting double teamed. Uh, from the center and the guard, every single play. There was no situation we had, no call in our game plan where that nose guard was going to get a one-on-one block. And so we'll do things like that, you know, where we need to figure out this guy needs to get double teamed. And that's a little bit easier for the interior guys. You know, if it's a shade or it's a three, it's a little bit easier to find schemes where you can double team those guys. But if it's a defensive end, you you don't get a lot of double teams on those types of players. And if you do, it's probably coming from a tight end, which may not be your best blocker. Uh, So with with the defensive ends, you know, it's usually easier to maybe read those guys or uh, maybe even change it up on them. Sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll give our guys a go ahead to, you know, if we uh, run in a, you know, pass set on a run block, it gets the guy, if he's real aggressive, you know, Mm -hmm. pass set, get him running up field and boom, we run right underneath him. So we will do things like that just to kind of ch- just give wrinkles, uh, read, you know, pass that on run plays, double teams, things of that sort uh, to change the looks up for those guys because we, we don't want the defensive linemen getting comfortable. We always want them to have to think about, am I going to get reach? Am I going to get down block? Am I going to have to fight a combo block? Are they going to read me on this play to slow them down? That was something we talked to a, a defensive coordinator a, a few weeks ago, and that was kind of the same thing he said. You know, when, when all those teams were going up-tempo zone, uh, this deep lineman, it might have been up-tempo, but they didn't have to do much thinking. They knew it was going to be zone, zone away, or zone to me. And so, uh, you know, they could kind of feel comfortable. He said uh, when it started getting tough was when teams started using, like you said, they were reading three techniques or, or ends, and they were gap doubles and they got zone doubles and they got you know base blocked and so uh, like you said keep the defense guessing um also like coach you talked about you know really game planning for some of these defense alignment I think that's something that I get caught up in and not doing enough or I haven't in the past few years is you know this is the scheme as far as how their defense is we should be able to run this this and this and sometimes you forget that uh, their dudes are better than your scheme is. And so you better, you better figure out how to block their guys instead of what schemes should work against a, a three technique. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, one of the best lessons I learned on from uh, our offensive coordinator uh, who, you know, when I, when I was first there, uh, you know, he did a really good job of, you know, teaching me and getting me to understand, you know, anybody can draw up a great play on the board. I mean, that's, you know, that's probably the, the easiest thing about being a coach, that's probably the thing we have the most fun with a lot of times, but anybody can get up there and draw a great play on the whiteboard. 
but being able to figure out what plays or what schemes will put your players in the best position uh, to be successful if the Jimmies are better than your Joes, you know, that's what makes, you know, a good coach. And like I said, you know, I'm still learning a lot of this. I'm a young guy. And uh, so that was one of the things that I think was really good for me. And so that's kind of one of the things I like to watch for when I'm watching on film is, you know, first thing is, is there anybody on this front that we don't need to be single blocking? Um, that we need to be comboing or we need to be reading every single time. And I think, you know, those guys who, who run up-tempo and run zone, you know, and that's all good. There's certainly pros to it, but I think you need to have some tags in that play that allow you to present different looks for the defense. And so, you know, if you're going to be an inside zone team, I think you need to have, you know, a way to run a uh, split zone, you know, where you're kicking that defensive end or maybe um, – you know, traditional zone read where you read him or even the uh, – I can't remember what they – I think it's the, the load, you know, where the the age back comes from the opposite side. It's looking like split zone, so that defensive end is preparing to take on that age back, but he actually just, you know, goes around to sort of steal off that backer and it's just zone read. Or even, you know, uh, I've seen people, you know, I think it was Oregon, they ran a lot of the outside zone midline where they're running outside zone, but they're reading a three technique. And so – I think those are all good things, but, you know, I, from an offensive line perspective, you know, my first priority is figuring out, you know, who can we block, who can we not block, and, you know, what what types of blocks or what types of schemes are going to give our guys the best success against their players. That, that was the first thing I learned at at, uh, t- at Tulsa with, with Denver Johnson. I mean, he he'd said it immediately. That, that was one of – you know, I, I've told Harper the, the two commandments, right? The, the first commandment was linebackers shall overrun. That was his first commandment of football. And then his, his second commandment was when you're in pass protection, know thy sort. I'm pretty sure his third commandment was make sure you always block defensive linemen. You know, don't, don't, yeah. worry about, don't worry about linebackers. Don't worry about secondary people, but always block defensive linemen. Because he's like, you know, linebackers and, and DBs, they'll make tackles. He said, but defensive linemen, they'll, they'll break arms, they'll break people's bodies, and they'll hurt people. He goes, I and mean, we don't want any of yeah. our ball carriers or our quarterbacks getting hurt. So he's like, we're going to take care of these down guys no matter what. And if there's down guys we can't handle, we better have a plan for those guys that we can't handle, and we better make sure the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach also knows that plan. Absolutely. I think you've you, you got to take care of those guys uh, at the line of scrimmage first, and, and we – you know, I've been in a great situation where, you know, our offensive coordinator has, has done a great year, uh, who was the offensive coordinator, did a great job of, of working with us um, on the offensive line and, you know, getting input from us and, you know, kind of building, you know, at least at least the running attack, you know, building from the offensive line up. Um, because, you know, unless you just got somebody really, really special back there in the backfield, um, you know, you've, you've got to take care of the front first because nothing else is really going to work if you don't block defensive linemen. That was, and there's so many different ways you can do it depending on your offense. That was one of the cool things at, at Houston, even though we were air raid, we had, um, when we had coach Kingsbury there, you know, he would, he would have his whole game plan uh, around maybe a defensive lineman when we played uh, Benny Curry or Anthony Barr, or one of those guys, the whole way he called the game in the first quarter was uh, outside run to the left and then screen to the right. And it was all about getting those guys running back and forth to in the second, third quarter, try to take some pressure off the quarterback because they are a little more tired, you know, and, and he would game plan when he was going to take his shots. He wouldn't take his shots on 
first down out of a break because those guys would be fresh. So a lot of different ways you can do it. But like you said, Coach, I think it is extremely important that if they've got the, the dimmies, you better, uh, you better be able to block them. You better find some way, whatever it is in your offense, um, a lot of different ways to do it. But you better find out a way to um, try to take that advantage away from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, you know, we always tell our guys that, you know, it starts up front with us. It doesn't matter a whole lot what these, what the skilled guys do, you know, they're certainly important to what we do, but you know, it starts with us up front and that's just, that's how the game of football has been. And, you know, even as the game continues to spread out and stuff, I think the game of football will continue to always be about the, the guys up front and on the line of scrimmage. Coach, I'm curious, like with your offense, um, kind of going back to this, but uh, I know I see in Texas a lot, and there's a lot of teams in Texas that they find whoever their their best athlete is on the team, they stick him at quarterback just about every year, and they, you know, basically design their offense off of that. Is that kind of the same situation you guys were in when you had that extremely athletic quarterback? Is that something you look for every year, or was it just happened to be um, you had a really athletic quarterback, and so you kind of built around that? Well, uh, my first year when I came in, uh, that co- the quarterback that, that I've that I've been talking about, he was already a sophomore, so he he had played quarterback his ninth grade year. Um, I I don't know, you know, if he had played quarterback throughout middle school, but I, I I do know that he was the quarterback on the ninth grade team the year before I was there, and, and when I came in, and he was uh, you know on the quarterback or at the quarterback position uh, as a sophomore. Um, and so we, I guess, you know, he just happened to be a good, a really good athlete who could also, you know, lead the team, which I think is, you know, maybe even more important than, you know, anything else as a quarterback. And he was also able, a capable thrower who could, who could put it, put it on the money when needed to. Um, but I think a lot of teams are doing that, you know, just taking the athlete and just putting them at quarterback, um, back where, um, I'm from. Uh, there was a really good uh, player. I, 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 I'm from about an hour and a half away originally, um, but the, public, the, the school from where I'm from, they had a really good guy, uh, athlete, and went on to play at Georgia. And <laughs> when I, I went and watched highlight film of him just being a Georgia fan and just to see kind of what kind of player he was. And sure enough, he's, you know, he's back there playing quarterback, and it seemed like the number one play of the offense is to snap it to him. Everybody else runs four verticals, and he runs around and either throws it deep or runs it for himself. And I think you are starting to see that, and it's a, you know, it's a, a good idea. I mean, you know, how do you guarantee your best player touches the ball every single play? You put him at quarterback. And so sure. it's, I think, something that's getting a lot of merit uh, around, you know, the state and around the country, really. What about that mentality kind of up front? I mean. Does, does the D-line kind of get, you know, first crack at, at good linemen or guys that can play there, and then you kind of, you know, get the, the leftovers or whatever? I know that's kind of been the traditional thing for the offensive and defensive line. And, you know, obviously me being an, an O-line guy, you, you kind of wish it was the opposite. But do, do you guys get any crossover dudes, or is it is it that kind of how it goes? You know, D-line coaches get, get first draft picks, and then we kind of get the, the rest of them. Uh, well, I mean, we're, we're in a pretty good situation where, you know, there's always, you know, one or two guys, you know, that are playing on the defensive line that you, you know, you'd always like to have over on the offensive line. Um, but we've been in a pretty good situation while I've been here at Northside, you know, where we have, uh, you know, usually 50 or 60 guys on the ninth grade team. And, and that's kind of just sort of where we just, you know, just kind of start to get an idea of, 
you know, are they better suited offense? Are they better suited defense? And, you know, we'll have multiple guys that'll, that will switch sides of the ball maybe, you know, once or twice throughout the ninth grade season just to see, you know, okay, we tried him, you know, we've tried him at offensive line, you know, for a couple of weeks here during the ninth grade season. Let's, let's try him at defensive line or, or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, and, and that happens. And, Sometimes, like, you know, you wish you could keep a guy or, you know, maybe, you know, the other team with, you know, the other side of the ball would like to have a guy that's on the offensive side of the ball. But, um, you know, we, we put a big emphasis on defense here. And, uh, and I think that's a big part of our success. Um, you know, we've, we've put a lot of emphasis on defense. And so we certainly do have a lot of our better players on defense, uh, especially defensive line. But, you know, we've had some pretty, uh, pretty good players on the offensive line, I believe, too. And, you know, I think that speaks to, you know, a lot of the, the coaches, the offensive line coaches that I've had the pleasure of working with that have done a really good job of coaching those guys up. But, you know, we'll kind of, you know, and, and we'll split guys up and, you know, maybe, you know, you come over here and play offense, uh, you know, a little bit for maybe certain packages or types like that. But you know, we, I think we do a pretty good job of, of you know, sort of, I guess you'd say, uh, dispersing the talent around, you know, the offensive and defensive line. We've got a defensive line coach now that, you know, um, we've always had good D-line coaches, but we got one now that um, has been here for a year now and, and has been with us. And so now, uh, you know, I, I've trusted him. He trusts me. And so, you know, that, that really helps when you, when you get along well with the defensive line coach and, and you guys are on the same page, like it sounds like you guys are, where uh, it's about the team and it's about helping the kids be the best they can be. And then, um, you know, you're trusting that if you're sending your guys over there, they're getting good work. and and he's doing the same. And one of the things we started doing a lot more this year was coming together and, and getting a lot of our individual work at least twice a week together where it's, you know, the guys are seeing some full speed reps. And, um, you know, that comes down to really being able to, to trust the defensive line coach and him having trust in you and, and being able to, um, you know, kind of work together on what you both need to do for that week. Absolutely. And, and we're, I think we're in a good situation where, um, uh, you know, we we have we have two offensive line coaches. We have two defensive line coaches, and uh, uh, one of our, our our older defensive line coach, um, you know, he he actually coached offensive line for I, I think it was gosh seventeen years, uh, and so you know he understands you know how important the offensive line is. Now of course you know with him coaching defensive line now he's going to try and get as many caps as he can over there sure. on his side, but <laughs> there's there's. You know, there's kind of a sense of, of brotherhood there because, you know, he, he was in our position, you know, for so long. He understands the importance of the offensive line. And, you know, going back to, like you said, the, the competition, uh, you know, having good on good, you know, at least once or twice a week in practice, we try to do something very similar. Um, we'll get with the defensive line sometimes and just do a base reach drill or, or, or a rip base, you know, something, you know, where we've got one offensive lineman versus one defensive lineman. And a coach is going to stand behind the defensive lineman and give the offensive lineman either a, a signal to base block or to reach block or, you know, to try to dip and rip, you know, like, like releasing to a linebacker on the option. And, you know, our job, obviously, as the offensive lineman is to, is to execute the block, drive the defensive lineman off the line of scrimmage. And the defensive lineman's job is to execute, you know, his technique if he's getting a base block or a reach block, whatever it may be. And then we will also do something where we bring the linebackers down and the running backs down, and we will work a combo drill. So it's two offensive linemen and a running back, and then a defensive lineman and a linebacker. Uh, obviously, the defensive lineman's job is to stuff that combo block so the linebacker can flow over the top and make the tackle. 
And obviously the offensive line's job is to get that combo block. Don't get split. Get movement at the line of scrimmage and dump that defensive lineman into the linebacker so we can come right off the combo block with the running back. And that's, you know, I think that type of stuff is invaluable. I know a lot of coaches are very hesitant to go, you know, good on good for fear of injury or, you know, maybe not getting a proper scouting look, which is all understandable. But I do think that you need to have some type of period where your, you know, number one offensive lineman can go up against your number one defensive lineman and really get after it and get some full speed game quality reps. Because as much as, you know, we'd like to think that our individual period is great and it is, there's only so much you can really get, you know, with maybe a, you know, a 10th grader, you know, over there holding, holding a dummy or whatever it is. So those, those live reps against the number one defense are, I think, invaluable for us. I agree. You need them and, and um, you know, you do things to try to make it as safe as possible. Like you said, you know, maybe it's only one lineman and one defense alignment or it's two offense alignment and one defense alignment. So you're, you're taking all the roll-ups out of, out of the way of it, but you're still getting that live rep that the defense needs. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, we do something similar to that. And it's something where we've talked to the defensive line coaches before practice and we've said, all right, what are you going to see this week? And they're like, well, it's, it's a pretty heavy zone team. So, you know, we run zone as well, so we'll make sure during that time period uh, we're doing a majority of, of zone doubles or zone, you know, plays where if it's, hey, we're going against a team that's going to run power a lot this week, which doesn't happen a whole lot, but if that were the case, then okay, now we're going to work a little bit more of our gap scheme stuff today uh, because any of it's beneficial for us and we're going to do a little bit of everything, but we'll try to cater it a little bit to what you guys need so we're all getting some work like you said, against one-on-ones, but still trying to keep it uh, safe from all the roll-ups and different things that can happen from a full uh, 11-on-11, one-on-one type situation. Absolutely. And it's really important for us um, because, you know, we are a larger team. You know, we'll dress, you know, somewhere around 90 to 110 guys. Um, Varsity 10th through 12th for the majority of the season. Uh, and then once the ninth grade season finishes up, we will typically bring up, you know, maybe 20 to 30 of the ninth graders who we think, can, you know, can contribute, uh, you know, on scout team or stuff like that. So, you know, towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, you know, we typically have, you know, 100, you know, 40 guys out there on the field. And so we, you know, we run scout teams with, you know, defensive players and offensive players. And the only time we really go full, 11 on 11, 1v1s is in the spring and then, you know, the, the two or three weeks of, of preseason. And then after that, you know, we will split up and we'll have our scout team and stuff like that. So I think getting those controlled reps of one-on-one or 1v1s is, is very good because uh, it keeps us sharp throughout the season. Coach, can you talk a little bit about your, your guys' head coach there? I mean, obviously with the, the success of that program, he, he's got to do a – a fantastic job of kind of kind of getting all you guys on the same page and, and making sure that the staff is operating at an optimal level. What are some of the things he does to kind of keep you know you guys on the same page and then ultimately keeping you know the team on the right track? Oh, uh, absolutely, Coach Kinsler. He he's an amazing head coach. I mean, uh, he um, before him was Conrad Nix, and you know Coach Nix won a lot of football games. Uh, he sort of you know he built Northside up a lot, and Coach Nix won the two state championships in, in 2006, 2007. 
and so for Coach Kinsler to come in and do what he's done, I think is is very impressive because the 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 quality of the program didn't drop at all. Um, you know, Northside had won. Uh, we've been in the playoffs for 26 straight years, and so you know, with Coach Kinsler able to just keep just keep the train rolling was very impressive. Um, and he's he's a great guy. When I first came in, you know, he was very encouraging. Uh, he's a great leader. I think he does a very good job of handling because he's also the athletic director. He's our athletic director and our head coach, and so he does an excellent job of you know handling those athletic director duties uh, and then also handling his head coaching duties. And he does an excellent job of delegating assignments to us. Uh, he's very good about you know we get into spring football. You know here's you know what you guys are going to be doing. Here's what you guys are going to be doing, or even off season workouts. You know and we start like. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. You know, you've got this station, you've got this station. Um, so he, he's always extremely organized, and I think that's a big part of, you know, you know, I don't have a clue if I'll be a head coach one day, but I know if I end up being a head coach, I would like to, you know, be as organized and have things as well thought out as him um, because he always seems to have a plan for everything. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that comes with experience. And even if something very rare comes up that he may not have had a plan for, he does an excellent job of, you know, he, he doesn't panic or anything. He never, he never panics. He just always, all right, well, here's what we'll do. Here's our next step in the process. And um, so working for him has, you know, shown me, you know, what kinds of things it takes to be a successful head coach. And it's certainly not easy, um, even though he, he makes it look easy sometimes. And so, with him being able, he, he, I can tell, you know, he trusts us. He's put a lot of faith in us to do our job. Um, you know, I know there are a lot of head coaches out there who don't coach a position. And so they, you know, I've talked to some of my coaching buddies and I was like, what did your head coach do if he doesn't coach a position? And they said that, you know, their head coach will just come around and watch their drills and stuff. And, um, you know, Coach Kinsler, he coaches the DBs here at Northside. And so he puts a lot of faith in us to run our drills and to run our side of the ball the way it's supposed to be run and you know he'll he'll obviously he has input he's he's you know been doing this longer than I've even been alive um so he he has input that he wants to share and you know I'm always trying to you know take note of things he has to say but you know he has a lot of trust in us he does an excellent job of delegating responsibility and um like I said he always has a plan he's always very well organized uh and he he's he just wins a lot he's won a lot of football games uh with the way he does things you see quite a few uh, uh, head coaches that, that also, you know, were defensive back coaches before that kind of keep that, that same uh, responsibility, right? We were at Michigan State Walls, and, and uh, yeah. that's what they were saying about Saban when, when he was at Michigan State. And then uh, I, I'm assuming it's kind of still the same thing at Alabama. He's the head coach, but he's also really the uh, DB coach as well. Yeah. And coach Kinsler, he was the defensive coordinator here at Northside for – uh, I think 20 something years and he played football here at Northside. And so I think that's another thing that has, you know, that makes it such a, such a special place is that, you know, he's been here for so long. Um, and so, I mean, he really embodies this program and, and he loves the program and it means a lot to him. And, you know, you can see that in, in his everyday, uh, his everyday work ethic. And that's something, you know, that I've, that I've really admired, you know, being here. I think one of the things you, you see too, Harp, if, if a guy that coaches DBs, you know, they're involved in all aspects of football. You know, DBs got to be involved in a run fit. DBs have to be involved in the pass game. So if you coach that position, you're understanding run game and pass game. 
And then not only that, most other DB coaches I've seen also had to coach something on special teams. So I think it's a pretty interesting point you bring up and kind of just sitting here thinking about it. You know, if you coach DBs, there's a good chance you're going you're gonna to know quite a bit about a lot of the areas of football. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we run, you know, we run a four-two-five type of scheme. And, um, you know, so with having five defensive backs back there, uh, you know, he has a lot of <laughs> – there's sometimes – well, I, you know, I have to go back and, and, you know, go and watch some of their defensive film and go back, you know, watch some TCU stuff because it's kind of where we got some of the ideas from. And, you know, because, you know, watching, watching them out there, you know, you don't see a lot of, you know, okay, we're just going to play base cover three or we're just going to play base, you know, man or cover two or whatever it is. You know, we've got a lot of different types of calls for different uh, scenarios or formations. And so, you know, being able to kind of learn – uh, just a little bit of that side of the ball from watching, you know, the types of stuff that, you know, he has he has our guys doing in the secondary has been beneficial for me. I think that's great. And I, like you said, Coach, and it's something that I, I'm looking to, to try to do, and it helps when you've got a really good defensive uh, staff is, is learn more a little bit of the defensive side. That way helps you with what you're coaching on offense. Um, and then kind of to piggyback off of that, I, you know, you you'd mentioned you didn't know maybe you'd be a head coach one day. Kind of curious uh, to hear from another young coach. What are, you know, a young offensive line coach, what are maybe your 10, 15-year goals? Are, are you looking to be a head coach one day, a, a coordinator, or, or what are those, uh, you know, bigger aspirations, if you will? Uh, I mean, later on down the road, you know, I'd like to be a coordinator at some point. Um, but, I mean, honestly, right now, I'm just, I'm just really focused as being the best position coach I can. Um, I love doing the offensive line, and so – you know, that's one thing you know, almost everybody has told me, you know, you know, uh, you know, don't get too far ahead of yourself and things like that. So, yeah, someday down the line, offensive coordinator, I know for sure that I would like to get an opportunity to do that. As far as being a head coach, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and that's just, you know, it's a lot of a lot of different things to take care of, you know, outside of just, you know, my position group. And, yeah, you know, they tell you, you know, you want to be the head coach of your position group. But, you know, I, I try to take that to heart, uh, you know, or at least, you know, being, I guess, co-head coaches as we have two offensive line coaches. Um, but th there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. And um, so I don't know, you know, maybe one day if it, you know, if it, the right opportunity comes up. But I would like to be an offensive coordinator someday. But, you know, that's probably several years down the line because I still got a lot, of a lot to learn from, uh, from now. I love hearing that, and you don't hear that nearly enough, Coach, in my opinion, and it's kind of the same same boat I'm in, just just happy to be an offensive line coach and want to be the best you can. And I've seen it, uh, you know, pretty often with, with younger coaches that want to want to climb the ranks way too fast, and they, they jump ahead of themselves and, and don't realize how lucky or maybe um, how special it is the position they're in right there. And like you said, just go ahead and try to become the head coach of your position. Uh, I, I think that's a really great – great way to look at things and and I hope if any young young coaches are, are listening that that they hear that point more than anything because I think that is extremely important and it's something that I personally try to keep uh in check as well is just realizing how lucky you know we are to even be coaching offensive line and, and just go ahead and be great at that and and uh you know be happy where you are absolutely and it's you know I kind of I kind of learned that lesson early on in college um, from one of my professors, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty smart in school, you know, grades were never really an issue. I didn't really have to study that much. A lot of it kind of came naturally to me and, you know, not, you know, bragging or anything that, but that's, 
it's just kind of how I was. And I felt like, you know, I was pretty darn smart. And so I get into college and, you know, I, I take, you know, the intro freshman history course and I ace it and it was super easy. And then I get into starting to take some of my upper division history classes. And um, I had a professor who was also my advisor. His name was Dr. Richard Hall. And um, as I got to know Dr. Hall more, you know, the guy was, you know, 60, 70 years old and he had taught at the, uh, he, he had taught history at Ohio State University. He had published like five books. He had gone over and taught in Bulgaria. And then you go in his office and he's read more books probably five times over than I've even, you know, thought about reading. And, you know, so he was a, an eye opener. It's like, you know, I don't have a clue what I, you know, what I know um, compared to this guy. And so I kind of took that mentality, you know, to coming in at Northside, knowing that, you know, we have a lot of experienced coaches. And when I first got hired, you know, I was 23 when I first got hired. We had another coach on staff who was um, about the same age as me. I think he was 24. But every other coach was, like, in their 30s um, and had been doing it for, you know, at least eight, ten years. And then, you know, we had a couple of others, like, you know, Coach Kinsler, our head coach, and then our defensive coordinator and, you know, one of our defensive line coaches who had been doing this, you know, for, like, 20 years. And so, you know, they were a very good source of information to learn from. And, you know, it's just I'm trying not to, you know, don't be in a hurry because I do love coaching the offensive line. I think it's a position that's unlike any other in football. I think it's a position that's unlike any other in any sport um, because you have to be five guys as a unit working together. It takes a very specific set of skills and it takes a specific mindset, I think, to do all that work and not get your name in the highlights or anything like that. You know, defensive linemen get sacks and tackles for loss and forced fumbles and yada, yada, yada. But you know, the only people you ever see talking about the offensive line are usually offensive line coaches. That's right. Yep. I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, I, when I was your guys' age, I, I tried to do it way too fast. And I know when I became a head coach, even at a small school, I, I got exposed early. And it's one of the things, you know, I've, I've written about and I've talked about, you know, it was, it was a humbling experience. And what it, what it did teach me is I was lucky enough to learn from it, but it was like, you know what, I need to go learn more. So that, that forced me to go back to college, to go back, become a GA, and, and continue to hone the, the weaknesses in my game because there's a lot of holes in it. So I think you, you guys are both doing it the right way and thinking about it. But, I, you know, also encourage you to know, you know, don't get comfortable in just the O-line. You know, I think a lot of guys, well, I'm just going to be this O-line expert. Well, now if they ask you to take on other responsibilities – it's going to kind of be one of these things. Well, uh, I really don't know much about that. So, I mean, hone your craft, become the master at it, maintain it at the same time in the off season, push yourself and and try to progress a little bit in your knowledge. I mean, coach Trimble for me, was kind of the example of that. You know, he could coach any position on the field. And I'm like, I I would kind of like to strive to to do that. So it was one of the things I, I had to learn the hard way. So you guys, you guys are doing it the right way. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people have mentioned, you know, not to, you know, to me specifically, but also just in general is, you know, one of the best things you can do is, you know, coach, you know, coach the other side of the ball. So, you know, if you're an offensive coach, you know, coach defense for a year or two, if you're a defensive coach, coach offense for a year or two, just to kind of get that perspective. And so, uh, you know, that may be something, you know, that, that comes down the line in my career and, you know, playing playing at a high school where we only have 35 people on the team. I played every snap of offense and defense. So there you go. You know, I'm exper- you know 
I, I know the defensive line. I know, you know, I know defensive football a little bit. Um, so it wouldn't be a complete stranger to me, but that is something that a lot of people I've seen, you know, mention, you know, just talking to younger guys, you know, not necessarily me specifically, but, you know, if you, and if you look at a lot of successful coaches, I think, you know, you'll see that at some point in their career, they've coached the other side of the ball, at least for a year or two. I was just say, just one of the nice things about being a GA, you know, if, even if you are coaching offense in college as a GA, you're running the scout defense and you're breaking down the defenses. So honestly, th- that aspect of it really helped me a lot. And then that was always the part of the staff in my free time who I was meeting with. So you, you bring up some really, really good points. Know thy enemy, baby. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that's that's been one of my responsibilities the past couple of years is um, is when our when our defense, uh, our defensive team period, the offense is doing a walkthrough. And so, like I said, you know, we have two offensive line coaches. And so uh, while the offense is doing their walkthrough, you know, uh, the other offensive line coach would go down with the walkthrough and kind of, you know, make sure all the offensive linemen are on the same page. And then I would go down with the defense and I ran one of our scout huddles. Uh, every single week for the past two years and so that has been a good opportunity for me just to kind of see you know how how you know first of all you know I can see how the defensive guys are coaching you know uh, you know with their personalities and stuff like that and see what kind of things they're looking for and I can kind of you know watch some of the defensive players see kind of what you know their their strategies are and things of that sort so I've kind of had that similar opportunity it's been a good learning experience to watch those defensive coaches in action you know, as I've, you know, been running one of the scout team huddles for the past couple of years. I think that's one of the best things I've ever started doing, Coach. I'm glad you brought that up. That was – I kind of got thrust into that a couple of years ago because we just needed to get it done. But I think it was one of the most beneficial things we've done over the past few years is, is have one of our offensive line coaches go coach um, to the scout team for the defense. Not only, like you said, learn some from the coaches, learn a lot, but also – uh, you know, teach some of your younger kids how to play offensive line, and you can take those cards that they've drawn up and make it into your own play. And and so now your kids are learning from the, their real offensive line coach, and, and they're hearing the plays um, and, and seeing the plays every single day. And, and I think, um, you know, I couldn't tell enough offensive line coaches, if you can figure it out somehow in practice schedule, go down with your scout team for for the scout offense, you know, to run against the one defense and coach those guys up and you run the scout O because, um, you know, I think the benefits are just tremendous to that. Absolutely. And, and I tell our kids, you know, I, I'm watching you. Like, I tell our, right. our offensive line, I tell our offensive line that are on the scout team, I'm watching how you perform. You know, I, am I expecting you as a 10th grade, you know, 215-pound you know, offensive lineman to block the all-region defensive end we have over there? No, not realistically, but I am expecting you to come off the football and give great effort and be, you know, and and be a, a leader at that position and get those other guys going. And you know, whether it's a run period or a pass period, you know, I'm I'm watching our guys. You know, I tell them all the time: these are opportunities for you to execute. You know, the types of techniques we tell you because you know, you look at the card. Okay, that may not be a play we run, but it has a combo block and we combo block every single day. So let me see you combo block. And, right. you know, a lot of times it doesn't look particularly pretty, but I'm looking, you know, are you trying, are you giving good effort? Are you coming off the football, you know, things of that sort. And um, it's always fun uh, doing that type of thing. Some of my favorite weeks during the scout team are when we play uh, wing T teams and, you know, most yeah. of our kids have probably never seen the wing T. Uh, <laughs> and so, 
you know, when we pull up, you know, the plays, you know, where we've got, they've got the fullback going one way, you got two guards pulling over here, a wingback coming behind here. And, you know, so I have to explain all that. And that's fun because, you know, like I said, a lot of those guys have probably never even seen the wing tee. And, uh, but I, I try to just boil it down. Hey, you're base blocking or, hey, you're reach blocking. You guys are combo blocking. You're pulling and kicking out. It's all the same stuff. Now let me see you go and give good effort and, ex- and try and execute to the best of your ability. That's great, Coach. Yeah, we've, you know, um, I started doing the same thing, like you said, and and it's been tremendous for for all those reasons. And uh, it's always my favorite when we play the wing tees, too. We get in four-point stances and we roll off the ball, and it's kind of fun. It's it's old-school football. We even got to, in one of the JV games, to start the second half, we kind of had cards still drawn up, and we went out and and, and ran one of the – I forget what it was. It was just fullback dive, but – got in the you know the old flex bone formation and it was it was a lot of fun and and was was cool to get to do with those kids and they enjoyed it um okay uh, you know we, we've kept you on for a, for a while now coach so try to wind it down real quick but um kind of something i ask everybody towards the end of these these uh, episodes is uh you know you watch a lot of film and, and i'm sure you're just like every other offensive line coach when you watch football uh you're, you're watching their offensive line so um What's something that you would see an offensive line do or, uh, you know, maybe a mannerism or, or a way they would act that would make you think very highly of their coach? I tell you, probably my, my favorite thing to see on Twitter probably is uh, Cole Kublick. Uh, you know, he played at Auburn. He's a sports broadcaster now. I absolutely love it when he posts those video clips of pass pro not being passive, mm-hmm. you know, a guard or maybe center who's uncovered just looking to clean up a defensive lineman. I love those clips. And so Full slab, baby. that I before I preached them all offensive linemen. I better not see you standing around with nobody to block on a pass play. You better go find somebody and knock him out. <laughs> I love it. The uh you know the the one that everybody's uh you know, Googling over or, uh, you know, ogling their eyes over now, you know, I guess it's because, you know, getting towards the draft or whatever the, uh, that clip of Quentin, you know, I'm a Georgia fan, so I saw it live when it happened, but that clip of, uh, I think it was Quentin Nelson, or it may have been yep. one of the other offensive linemen, you know, coming from the, from the left side to the right side to just KO that late blitzer, you know, from the, uh, from the Georgia team. <laughs> uh, but I remember seeing that live in person, and golly, I, I couldn't help but rooting for the Irish for a play right there. <laughs> hey coach how, how what, what were your feelings for the the national title game man i know that had to be a pretty tough one for you guys i tell you man it's it's been crazy you know my my grown up a georgia fan my dad was a georgia fan and you know he was uh you know he was a teenager you know when they won the national championship in 80 and you know so he got to see herschel play and so i've grown up a georgia fan and you know, it was good seeing, you know, when I first started getting into football was around the time Mark Rick got hired. And so, you know, I've kind of always known, you know, pretty successful Georgia teams, um, you know, and kind of had a level. So I kind of had a level of expectation. And, you know, Mark Rick was a great coach. I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times and talking to him. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, with Kirby coming in, he's just brought some new life to the program. And, that the heartbreaker back in 2012, I still remember that. And then, you know, this one, I was just, I was very proud of the team. I was very happy to see how they did and, you know, winning the SEC championship and, you know, after their initial defeat um, to Auburn, but come back and winning the SEC championship, winning the Rose Bowl, and then, you know, playing so tough with Alabama National Championship. It was, it was, just, it was just a fun season. It was an exciting season. 
And with the recruiting class they just brought in, I am I'm excited and, and see what they have going on. <laughs> I'm it's not going to be good for a while. <laughs> no yeah. shortage of talent there in in, uh, in Athens. No, and I think a big difference is going to be the offensive line. You know, when as for the 10 years prior or, you know, 10, 15 years that I've been a Georgia fan, I can think of them maybe recruiting, you know, maybe three, four All-American offensive linemen in the 15 years I've been watching Georgia football and following recruiting. And just in two years alone, they brought in like a dozen. <laughs> so that's been very exciting to see. Well, we we actually know the, the line coach there, Coach Pittman, is is an Oklahoma guy. So I got to know Sam pretty well from the the Jenks days when he was over at Arkansas. He's a really really good coach. So I mean, I knew once they'd hired Coach Pittman, they were going to be just fine up front. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. I want to again thank our sponsors, Powerlift, Sky Coach, and Team Attack Academy. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon. <laughs>